Hi, my name is Sean Taylor, and I am here with my friend Chris Ward. He's right up here. And uh, Chris, ever since I moved away, our friendship has been crumbling into pieces. It's been broken, a broken mess of a friendship. And I guess you could say it's. it feels like I've been looking for like a hundred years for something that could, something or someone that could bring our friendship back together. And that's where the analogy ends. I don't mm -hmm. have anything else after that. feels like it's been a hundred years. Yeah. But uh, everything I, changed when you moved away. It does. I moved away, and the whole your whole world plunged into uh, plunged into war. Is what happened. So there's an analogy in there somewhere. It's not a good one. But anyway, you brought up one day that it would be kind of fun to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender, because we used to spend a fair amount of time trying to convince our grown-up friends at work that Avatar: The Last Airbender was a tremendous TV show that anyone should watch. Yes, including these other grown-ups. And so what better way to do that than literally episode by episode demonstrating why each and every single episode is probably worth watching for anybody. We'll look at every single episode of Avatar one at a time and give our thoughts on the episode, our favorite parts on the episode. And long story short, it is just an excuse to talk about our favorite TV show or our favorite cartoon. All right. Um, so I thought here we could start off with you giving a synopsis of the episode just real quick, because we're going to go through it scene by scene later. But if you could introduce uh, introduce with a short summary. All right. This is the uh, the pilot to the show, Avatar Last Airbender. And essentially, uh, a brother and sister, Katara and Sokka, go swimming. No, they don't go swimming. They go fishing. And they find Aang. <laughs> they have no idea who the heck Aang is. He's just some crazy kid who, first thing he wants to do is go penguin sledding. Um and then, and then we meet our antagonist, Zuko, who we just know he has to find this thing that we're not even sure what it is. Um, and you come to find out that Aang is the Avatar, which is the only person... Actually, at this point in the show, we, get a, we know that the whole world was at war, um, but Zuko is looking for Aang because that's the only thing that can... Think, that's the only thing that he's, he's looking for, essentially. Uh, they can bring his honor back. Um, so, they, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the first episode, first couple episodes. And then, yeah, we're going to roll right into the second episode with this, too, uh, because when they originally aired, they did air on the same day. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and roll with the first two episodes today just to try to recreate the experience that viewers had when they first saw it. you have any additional commentary on the second yeah. episode? Yeah, and on the second episode... Um, Aang turns himself over to Zuko because Zuko threatened to pretty much kill the whole entire tribe because Aang is that type of cool person and essentially Aang escapes and they all hitch a ride on Appa to kind of go on to the, to the next place. So much like any good pilot, it's really just a big excuse uh, but a, a big way to draw a lot of different characters together that are going to be important Yeah, because you spend literally the first five minutes of the episode just there's information just being like pounded in your face. There's so much that happens in the first five minutes or so. And you really do meet almost every single character <laughs> in that first five to ten minutes. Every single important character that's really going to be a mainstay throughout the show. Obviously not everyone, but pretty close. You meet a ton of them in there. So uh, much like any pilot. Yeah, before we get in... Yeah, before we get into uh, into the actual, you know, all the scenes and stuff, what was your intro first introduction to Avatar? My very first introduction, I was a junior in college, actually, when I first watched it 
intentionally. Like, I know I'd seen it on TV at my grandma's house. We didn't have cable, but my grandma did. And so I know I'd seen it on TV, but maybe didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, but as a junior in college, I borrowed somebody's DVD set uh, because she was telling me what a great show it was. And another friend of ours was concurring, and they, like, peer pressured me into it. And I was bored and broken in college, so free DVD. Popped it in the PlayStation 2 because mm-hmm. that's how I rolled. And probably burned yep. through the first book Not in me. a couple of days. I got hooked real quick. How about yourself? Wow. Uh, I was definitely a day one, or really day two, because so they, they, they showed teasers of it on Nickelodeon. I was watching Nickelodeon. I was probably a, I was definitely a sophomore in high school. And, uh, and, and like, I remember the teaser for it just saying, Avatar coming in fall. And it just showed these leaves blowing in the wind. And I was, for some reason, I feel like I was dumb. Because there was a show that came on years earlier called, like, The Odd Things. And they all use really neutral colors. And there was, like, leaves blowing in this. And this is, like, a Peanuts show, almost. It was very much influenced by Peanuts. But they have very neutral colors, like Avatar. And um, and they had leaves blowing in the wind. That show came on years before. So I thought this was sequel to it. I don't know why. Completely, two different completely Just shows. because the art styles kind of matched up in your mind? Is that what Yeah, you're... just... Yeah, just the vague art styles. There's leaves blowing in the wind. There's neutral colors, and that's all I needed to think that they were the same show. Enough <laughs> said. It's a sequel. Uh, yeah, it's a sequel. And I like that show enough. I was like, oh, yeah, when this show comes on, I'll watch it. I know you're and then, show. Yeah. Uh, and then the first episode I watched, it wasn't even this first pilot. It was uh, it was like the next episode, though. Um, or it was, a, it was like episode three. And I watched that, and I went back and watched. Or actually, I waited for a rerun because this was um, late two. Th- it was like two thousand three, early two thousands or two thousand five, and uh, and you had to actually wait for something to come on TV. I couldn't just go to the internet and watch it or DVR it. Uh, but yeah, I was hooked since then. Like I liked the show once it came on, and then eventually I just became hooked. Uh, I'm glad that you got hooked by that teaser because that does not sound interesting to me at all. If there's just a bunch of leaves blowing around, well, <laughs> it was. I think I'm pretty much out of that thing. point. <laughs> uh, it just said Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I don't know how the title of The Odd Things matches up with Avatar. I had no idea what an Avatar was. So I was like, oh, whatever. It's the same show. Just I'll watch it. I like the association there. I'm going to Google yeah, on my phone real quick and weird. bring it up. I think the first episode was in 2005. And that does yeah, lead me to another February. point here. Um which is that like so what we see as the pilot here actually is not the the real pilot there wasn't a there was a previous pilot pitched first in like 2003 yes and the story was a little different and the actors were a little different um but the point is that pilot got changed up so much that it was essentially trashed i think it's included on dvd set so like i have the complete edition just on dvd and i think you can watch that act the original pilot in that DVD set in the extra feature somewhere. So, at some point, maybe we ought to look at that just for fun. Watch that and do an episode. Yep. That might be kind of fun. Yeah. This is uh, February fact, 21st. Katara's name in that pilot was, uh, her name was Kaya, which is later her mom's name. But... And I believe all three of the uh, Katara and Sokka and Aang were all different actors, if I recall. I don't, don't recall exactly and I've yeah, never watched sure it, but it maybe I should. So, February 21st, 2005, and it was uh, 4 by 3 and 480i, if anyone is interested. Uh, not 480p, that's very disappointing, but whatever. 
February 21st, 2005, and that was the first two episodes aired on that day, which is the episodes we're going to cover today. So before we get into we would like to go kind of scene by scene. Uh, favorite scenes, key scenes, they're all kind of they're the same. Our favorite scenes are the key scenes. But just because the first episode, the intro video was different. The intro video was longer, and it gives a full breakdown um, of the backstory that you don't get in any other episode. So just for this first episode... I would like to pull up the intro video, which I screen captured from the DVD, and it looks terrible. But it'll tell you the story, and that's what's important. So uh, if you don't mind, we're going to go ahead and look at that. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. My grandmother used to tell me stories about the old days, a time of peace when the Avatar kept balance between the Water Tribes, Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation, and Air Nomads. But that all changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar mastered all four elements. Only he could stop the ruthless firebenders. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years have passed, and the Fire Nation is nearing victory in the war. Two years ago, my father and the men of my tribe journeyed to the Earth Kingdom to help fight against the Fire Nation, leaving me and my brother to look after our tribe. Some people believe that the Avatar was never reborn into the Air Nomads, and that the cycle is broken. But I haven't lost hope. I still believe that somehow, the Avatar will return to save the world. Um, so I would just like to point out that, so I can hear the audio on my end, uh, you could not hear the audio on your end, so, um, <laughs> I thought you just, you got up and left there for a minute, I thought it was just because you were tired of listening to me mouth breathe over my microphone. <laughs> so, no, I couldn't. <laughs> I thought you just left. Anyway, so that is intro <laughs> video, which, um, if you have watched prior to today and remember, it's, it's a very deep story, it's almost like... In that two minutes, they sort of explain the Avatar is like a religion, the way that Katara... And this is essentially our first scene, by the way. The first mm -hmm. scene we want to yes. talk about is this opening sequence. They almost talk about it like a religion in the sense of like they're sort of believing in this savior and there's been this constant cycle of saviors forever for as long as they can remember. And it has always been there to protect peace and prosperity. And then all of a sudden it disappears and, and the world isn't sure if if it wasn't born into the airbenders and the cycle is broken. And like I said, Katara just sort of refers to it as like, she has mm -hmm. faith and believe in something that she can't see or feel. She's just a hundred years removed from it. And that to me is My maybe mind's the most, being blown right now. Yeah. Well, that to me is like the most <laughs> important part of that takeaway there is that she is so far removed from this. It's just stories. And this is the first yeah. time any of us have ever seen anything about the show. Like that comes at you pretty hard, pretty fast. Uh, probably a little deeper yeah, than like younger us can appreciate. <laughs> immediately when I watch this, uh, even when I watch the first episode, I was like, "Wow, this is not, this is not like anything else on Nickelodeon right now." Like, we're talking about war here, and and uh, it's really interesting. Like in the in all the years I've watched Avatar, I never really approached it as Aang being, although he is, like he is the embodiment of the good spirit in a human being he is the conduit like 
he is Jesus being God's son. Like that is very applicable here. Um, um, but yeah, I just, I love that opening because one thing about this show, especially this first, but one thing about this first couple episodes is that it is exposition heavy. Very um, exposition heavy in these first couple. <laughs> but it does it, it does it in a great way. Like you can have exposition in many different ways. You can have this where they just, you know, take you into the, just really talking to you, the audience, um, like how Star Wars does at the beginning of all their movies. Um, and pretty much just, hey, say, here, this is where the world is at right now, and now you can get on going with our story. Uh, you know, the world's been at war for 100 years. Um, it just looks like that picture of Katara and Sokka, it's like just desperation and sadness. And like, I believe that the, that the Avatar is out there. Like, that's the only thing she has to hold on to. I will agree to an extent you mentioned that, like, the first time you saw this episode, you said this isn't, like, anything else on Nickelodeon. Well, when I watched it, you know, I was a little removed from that as well. And I will say, at first, that did kind of strike me as it was a little deeper than other cartoons on Nickelodeon. But then as we get farther, like I said, once you get out of this first five <laughs> minutes, which is really the first five minutes, yeah. you... The bad guy is already caught up here, and we'll get to all this in a minute, but it's like a lot of really high-impact things have happened. And then after the first five minutes, then it like turns into a Nickelodeon episode here. And that, uh, anyway, I don't yeah, want to spoil some... anything. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that as we go through yeah. scene by scene. But at first, it definitely hits between the intro scene <laughs> and the first scene, which I'll go ahead and move to right now. It really hits pretty hard. Um, so I don't know if you want to discuss this scene real quick, which is essentially the first yeah, that... true scene. <laughs> Yeah, this is our first meeting of uh, Katara and Sokka. And like I said, the thing I like about this first couple of episodes is that there's a lot of exposition in it. Um, and you get a real great introduction to these characters, and you really get a good blueprint for these characters. Sokka is being misogynistic a little bit. He's being... Uh, Katara waterbends a fish while he's trying to fish. Like, it's a whole faith in magic versus uh, ingenuity and brain. <laughs> And that's how they always butt heads all throughout the season. Like they've kept, they've introduced these characters and pretty much held these characters the same way all throughout the series, but they've still grown and matured different ways. Um, you know, Sokka calls waterbending just magic that he always has to deal with. Um, and then Sokka talks about how this isn't magic. This is, uh, this is our culture. <laughs> uh, let just have a kid show talk about culture and, and upholding that. Um, was a, it's a great introduction to both these characters. It is. I don't know that, uh, there again, I don't know that younger us maybe could have appreciated the dichotomy that you're being introduced to here at that level, but you do see right away. No, I think not it's, at all. It is, you do notice right away that, like, all right, Sokka is, <laughs> Sokka is, you call it misogynistic, but younger me would have been like, Sokka's a jerk, and Katara is yeah. trying to practice something <laughs> that's really cool that makes her special, that makes her, her different, and he's being a jerk. And that's the first introduction we get, but he gets what he deserved because I believe she dumped some water on his head. So yes. uh, that leads us. So after you see them fishing, we move to the second scene, which is where we are introduced to Prince Zuko. And speaking of dichotomy, there's a lot more of it here um, because you get Zuko spots this light in the distance, which is essentially when mm -hmm. Katara and Sokka have bumped into this giant block of ice and that signals Prince Suko. So we meet Prince Suko and his uncle on the ship. And right away you get the same kind of dichotomy and disagreement between them and the type of personalities they are. Yes. Yeah. 
I'll and essentially, you know, they've held on to these, too. I mean, even through season three, Zuko's still mad. <laughs> um, but the thing I love about this, this scene here is this is Zuko's first, like, he, like, this is his first ray of light at a literal ray of light at a, at the life he wants. Like, not only is, does the Avatar represent hope in a good way for people like Atara, but represents hope for Zuko, and we'll learn later why that's the case. Um, but we do know he drastically wants to find the Avatar. That's hashtag deep. I never thought of that. That's his ray of hope as well, just in a weird and murderous kind of sense. Yes, yes. Never thought of it that way. And then, of course, you get... Uh, and also, the thing I like about this... Uh, thing I also like about this is that the show opens up with a huge ray of light, and not to spoil, you know, the finale, but it ends with a ray of light also. And I also, later on, we'll talk a little more. Um, I don't I don't necessarily... Uh, the first two episodes may not come out and impress you with anything in particular, uh, other than we mentioned no, they do not... squeeze in a lot of exposition, and they also squeeze in a lot of really important imagery. So here you've got the ray of light um, in just a second. You know, I'm going to go ahead and click to the next slide because if it is what I think it is... Okay, so they so then they officially bump into the giant cube of ice, which is essentially a giant circle of ice, a sphere of ice, um, and that becomes important. Yes. Spheres are prominent, rays of light are prominent, so it does give you a lot of important imagery. Uh, we didn't know that at the time there again, if it's the first episode, but just stuff that becomes very familiar to you throughout. So I don't know if you'd care to take us through this scene as well when they first bump uh, into. Really, it. I just want to highlight this scene because this is the first. This is the first time that Aang sees Katara, and this literal like scene here comes back in in the Guru episode and in, in, at, at the end of season two, where Katara's the first thing that he sees, and she is often his his uh, anchor to the world because he loses all his other anchors. Kind of like his anchor into into a harsher reality, because throughout the the whole series, uh, we do it is. The type of series where you kind of feel like you grow up a little bit with Aang and the whole group, but she is sort of yeah. his anchor into sort of a harsher reality. Not in a negative, she's an optimistic character, but she's much more realistic and focused than he is. And so I think this serves as a nice foreshadowing to that as well. So let's click to the next one here, which right after you meet Aang, one of my favorite scenes is when you get to meet Appa, and naturally <laughs> he's just waking up from about a hundred year nap. And he sneezes all over everybody, and then Aang introduces him as Appa, his flying bison, and then uh, Sokka says something, and this is Katara, my flying sister? Is that what he says? I can't remember yeah, yeah, what he does. I think that's his yes. comeback. Is Oh yeah, this is Katara. Just there again, you're getting like full Sokka right out of the gate. He's being a jerk. Full Has sarcasm. No faith, no faith whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, but long story short, you get to meet this giant flying bison, which even even if up to this point in the show you haven't seen anything like made you raise an eyebrow, because maybe you haven't, nothing crazy has happened. Uh, now you just you see this giant white fluffy, it's essentially a giant flying dog that he has. It's his pet. Um, and I mean, yeah. that's at least... They're yeah. never-ending story-like. Yeah. What's the guy's name? Uh, the, the the dragon. I cannot think of his oh. name. Uh, it's been a long time since so I watched the movies. Those horribly, yeah. horribly pieced together movies. <laughs> Book's great, but anyway, yeah. I just like this scene yeah. because it's just another reaffirmation that Sokka is a non-believing jerk, and also it's a giant animal. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a yeah. pet guy myself. I got my flying dog right here. 
Um, and so anytime yeah. you can get pets in a story, I'm already going to be way more hooked just from a relatable standpoint. I have my dog. is upstairs. That's way less exciting. <laughs> so. uh, oh, but the thing I did... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The thing I did like about... Oh, you're fine. The thing I did like, which is small, um, that I think the scene, in a way, shows the great animation in the show. Because usually when a cartoon person sneezes, like it's kind of like two scenes. It's just a ha and a chew. It's like two, here, uh, what like, do you call it? It's two frames, basically. Yes, it's two frames. Thing. Um, but here, like you see, you see Oppo go, and you see like all the fur in him like shift. You and then when the he sneezes, snot coming out, the fur, sort of frame by frame. Yeah, the snot and everything. It's great. Like they spent all this time on animation just for a giant bison to sneeze snot all onto a person. But that makes him feel very so he stands out right away, not just because he's a huge flying bison, but also because he is very clear and picturesque and they pulled no punches in animating a giant yeah. flying bison. That's pretty exciting. So then we get to the scene where on the way back to the village, so uh, Katara and Sokka load Aang into the boat and then he essentially uh, it doesn't really show him necessarily falling asleep here, but he essentially falls asleep somewhere in between here and winding up at the village, and he has this dream. It's an extremely important dream because it essentially shows him and Appa being encased in this sphere mm-hmm. of ice. Uh, he essentially shows him running away from his duties, and then they're out at During sea a storm. in a big, massive storm, and then sort of to protect him and his bison, he encases them both in ice in what we find out in a few minutes he believes is a very temporary measure, and it is not. But anyway, I do like this. Well, scene he does it on. Him. I believe he does it on accident. Like it wasn't. Like it was just the avatar. His state. avatar state came out, and so more. Although you don't, you don't learn about the avatar state in this. I'm not sure they even show it necessarily in this little quick flashback, uh, but it just shows real quick him just freezing everything. You're saying around it more, him. It's more of an avatar reflex. Like it's not something he helps. It's something yes. that's happened. That's yeah. kind of funny. I always yeah. took it as sort of a, sort of a choice like maybe maybe not that he knew what he was doing necessarily but like he's just channeling all his power like whatever brain subconscious whatever he can do to protect me and my bison right now and that this is this was the result i never really thought of it as like a reflex that's interesting take um so this is also important to me because it is the last scene of this first episode like this to me is the cutoff of that sort of five minute marker where you go from everything's just hitting you one after the other to now, for a few minutes, it kind of turns into like a regular Nickelodeon episode. It, yeah, it does. <laughs> and this one of my favorite scenes. Hotly jokes in it. Right here. Oh, sorry, yes. So uh, <laughs> now we get to the point. Uh, you know, go ahead and take this one here. I take the last one. Oh, okay. Uh, see, the, Sokka is the one thing you learn a lot because Sokka is the oldest man on this island. Uh, not this island. I guess it is. A, it is an island. Okay. Yeah. Um, ice island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By I the thought. way, we were in the South uh, Pole, a, I believe. This is the Southern yes. Water Tribe. Yeah, Southern Water Tribe. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's taking upon himself to train all these kids. But like, these are like five-year-old kids, and of course, they need a potty break. And then, uh, it's like no potty breaks. Essentially, like no potty breaks. But they all got to go. And the one's and like, I, I gotta pee. Has... And then he's like, <laughs> yeah. who else needs a potty break? And then all the hands shoot up. What I like about this scene, yes, yes. nothing intense is going on at all. Um, like, I believe I believe that Aang and Katara are already out messing around with the penguins off to the side. Like, we don't see them, but I, they're somewhere else. 
there's nothing else serious going on. But there again, it's just a little more introduction to Sokka as like, he's at full intense training mode right now. Even when nothing else has happened, they're not preparing for anything whatsoever. And then, yes. and that's when the camera kind of flips. He's like, it's something about men, you, who's who's ready to go, or what questions do you have men? And then you turn, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, all yeah, these yeah, kids. Yeah. And so, that, like, so that's yes. kind of a turning point to me of like, all right, Sokka's still being Sokka. But there is going to be humor and some goofy, silly in this cartoon. Like, we're, we're watching... It, you, you remember, you're watching a show for younger people at this point. But it's good. It's good, clean, yeah. fun bathroom humor. Always room for that. I'll never outgrow bathroom humor. All right, so then the next, se- uh, the next scene here is very important. Uh, because Katara and Aang, they're penguin sledding. And essentially, at the in- end of a long penguin sled race... They wind up by this ship in Case Nice. And again, very important imagery. Uh, this Fire Nation ship is something that you're going to see over and over and over again. And even the sun behind it there, the sun and the moon play extremely prominent roles in the story. So you don't know any of this yet, but it just uh, it's it's digging into your subconscious with very important imagery right away. So um, at the end of their ice sledding, their penguin sledding tunnel, crazy long tunnel race that they're having together, and they wind up by this ship. Uh, where essentially Aang asks Katara what it is, and Katara explains. Yeah, um, no, I mean, this ship is just a clear... One thing I love about this is just a clear reminder that they're at war, <laughs> and that they, like, at any point in time, the Fire Nation could come and uh, <laughs> can come and just go back to war at them, uh, which is why Sokka is so freaking hell-bent on, on training people, and he's so serious about it. This is also probably the first time where we get introduced to the idea that maybe Aang has been frozen. Like, maybe Aang doesn't realize how long he's been frozen and how long he's been gone. Like, this is where some of that stuff starts to catch him by surprise, and Katara's starting to put all the pieces together. Yeah. So then... Oh, and... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, then in, then they go in the ship, even though Katara's not supposed to. No one's supposed to go in that ship. And... <laughs> For some reason, I like the writing in this scene when they go back to the village. Because uh, they trip a booby trap, and, uh, and the flare goes out. <laughs> <don't> uh, <laughs> and, and then, you know, all the village people, they see the flare, and then Aang, and then, what happened? And Aang is like, well, it was a booby trap, and, well, we boobied it. We, bo- <laughs> we boobied why, right into it. But yeah, we, we boobied right, right into it. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Definitely got a giggle out of junior in college myself. So so it sends off this player, and they're heading back to the village, and they know, and we all know, that it is signal. It's given Z- Zuko another signal. It's going to lead them right to the island. And so they all uh, become infuriated, and uh, essentially Sokka outcasts Aang, tells him he's, he's calling him a, a Fire Nation spy. And again, we just kind of flip from goofy to serious in an instant. And Sokka goes off and tells Aang he's banished from the village at this point. Which, there again, yeah. I suppose from his Sokka, perspective, not Sokka a bad thing. Really, Sokka really did not like Aang in the first like episode. Which they they call back to... Dang non-believer. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they call back to like in a couple of episodes in season three that, Aang, that Sokka did not like Aang. But then he grew to love him as a brother. Does, it takes a few episodes before we get to that point. But um, so yeah. in between this scene, then in the next scene, we see Aang sitting, essentially sitting on an iceberg, watching 
and he sees the Fire Nation ship roll up, uh, rolls right up to the to the tribe where the tribe is located, and so we kind of get a little bit of that. It's not even a debate, maybe just half a second of hesitation for Aang of what he needs to do. So then he, but he immediately jumps right back on Appa, and they head back towards the village. Uh, and this here, the scene showing, is where the fire ship is literally approaching. It's about to take down all of Sokka's hard work. He's built up this tremendous wall, this great defense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the Fire Nation ship's a lot bigger than he is. There again, just like this image here, image of just the size and immense sort of overpowering nature of the entire mm-hmm. Fire Nation versus Sokka, you know, feeling like he's the last guy left in his tribe that can really put up a fight. Yeah, and Asaka actually gets into war paint, which we never see again. Um, oh, we, I think we maybe don't? they just dropped that. No kidding? No. It's kind of He, like he never gets to the war paint yeah. again. At one point, he does have, like, a wolf's I do helmet recall that later thing, on, yeah. Which, not, not in this episode, later looks, on. Yeah, which that looks great, too. I like that and It more. seems like it has some functional uh, no, purpose never get the war, paint. war paint. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you... Take this one. There's Sokka for the uh, record. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sokka, of course, comes in and he uh, he attacks Zuko. Come off the ship, and and just Zuko just disposes of him quickly with just a kick. And it's he not even fire. Yeah, it just is a straight up kick. Yeah. That's how disrespectful it is. Like, n- no fire bending, just a kick. Um, Sokka tries. Um, and then, yeah, and then Sokka then continues to fight against Zuko. Um, there's one scene where he does throw his boomerang. I believe for the first time we see his it's boomerang. really close right like, He throws this, it. Yeah. He misses some. And then the thing is, they still have, like, another little scene together um, where Zuko gets the better of Sokka. And then the boomerang comes back around and hits Zuko in the head. There's, like, an awkward <laughs> second of silence in there where they're just staring at each other. And then yeah. it comes back and it hits Suko right in the head. Uh, what I like about this scene is that it's the first time. So all to this point, we've just seen Sokka being a jerk, but we don't really know much else. But this scene kind of backs up that it's not like a bully jerk. There's no coward in there. Like he does, he runs right up, mm, tries yeah. to confront the ship. He takes a beating, and even after he Gosh, takes his first yeah. disrespectful beating, he hops right back up. So this whole time, when you see misogynistic Sokka, you Maybe at least me, and I'm calling back memories from a long time ago, but there's at least a sense of, oh, he's just going to be a, a dumb older brother. Like, he's going to be a hindrance the whole time. He's going to no. be the he's going to be the, co- the character that we laugh at with the characters we actually like yeah, instead of laughing just, with. He's just there because they needed another character. But no, we actually see here he gives it a best effort. It's totally brave. For all yeah. he knows, he could die, and he runs up there anyway. So this is pretty important yeah. just I'm to really get to know Sokka as an important character. Yeah, I'm really glad they didn't go down some route where uh, he becomes a coward, like you said. That would have just completely kind of ruined the character, and it just would have completely contradicted everything that happened before. Yeah, it was it was nice, because otherwise he would basically be nothing more than comic relief. But we got a real character in there, and that's pretty important. So, yeah. Fire uh, <laughs> Fire Nation ship is there, and comes back sliding in on his penguin. I I said Oppa, it wasn't Oppa, he comes back in on the penguin, it's way cooler and yeah, just in him calls back to the fashion. one and go penguins letting. yeah and just in pure ang fashion it's a serious situation that he diffuses just with his own goofy little kid style and i think that's what this is trying to show is 
we we kind of know that he's the avatar at this point, but he's just a kid, and I think a lot of this, mm-hmm. a lot of these scenes do little things, or just his character is made to remind you that he is just a kid. But essentially, yeah, he comes back and he's about to uh, about to give himself up. Essentially, yeah. The thing I love about one of the things I love about the scene is that Saga has tried his best to protect this village, and the Aang just swings in and like shifts the tide, and Saga sees him. I think Aang goes, hey, I'm back. And then he just goes, hey, Aang. Yeah, like, <laughs> like he's defeated. Like, I've I've tried everything, and now you're here. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not good enough. Hey. It's, it's not angry, but it's not really, like, asking for forgiveness either. But it's, it's defeated, I think, is the right yeah. tone that he takes there. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? We skip, that, I probably need another scene in here. So essentially in this scene, and this is important to me because I hate this part, to be honest, is like how he and he just gives himself up, but it's very sort of anticlimactic and it's not very dramatic. Uh, you mentioned earlier that we see Zuko, essentially he's ready just to take down the whole Southern Water Tribe. I don't know if as a kid I really got the feeling, or even adult me I kind of only feel that way because I'm looking at it that way or it's not the first time I watched it. It's very sort of anticlimactic like Zuko shows up and then Aang's like, hey, I'll just go with you. Just promise not to hurt him. He's like, all right. And then they all go on the ship. And I know Aang knows he's going to get out, but at the same time, it just it didn't feel as dramatic as I wanted it to in my head from the That's first good. time I watched it. But um, at the That's same time, point, I, think it, built up. I think it tells a little about Aang and what he, the confidence that he has in himself. Like, he has no concerns mm-hmm. that he's going to get off that ship. Yeah, I mean, they built up the Sokka has to protect the tribe. And, and I mean, that scene, you know, where we just went over, where that ship is just freaking huge, and Sokka's really small, just makes it seem like, how the heck are they going to get out of this? Like, like, you just showed what the stakes were. You just showed what the obstacle was. And then it's just like, eh, it'll go away. Once Aang goes with him. He'll just go away, uh, and then Aang's going to be like, oh, I'm just going to escape, and it's going to be fine. And he never says anything like that. That's the air of confidence that he kind of gives. Yeah. But And then this is the scene that Zuko, Zuko's looking for, because it's been 100 years since he's seen the Avatar, he's looking for an old man, and then he realizes that that the Avatar, you're just a kid? And then Aang responds, well, you're just a teenager. <laughs> Get some brutal, like, kids say the darndest yeah, things. It's kind of like the horse watching the dog, John Mulaney. That's so. <laughs> a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> this probably merits its own show, just that whole, the whole <laughs> skit right there. No, it's a good introduction just to, like, hey, he really is just a kid. And then Aang's like, you know what? You got quite a few problems yourself for a guy that doesn't have a beard yet. Like, same yeah. same relative kids facing adult problems kind of stuff. Growing up too fast. So Aang hops on the ship. Uh, they start sailing away. And then this is a, it does lead up. That scene is a little disappointing. Uh, but it does lead up to a very touching ending, which is essentially... Katara's going to leave and she's going to go chase Aang and then Sokka comes up behind her and she assumes that he is going to stop her and he just goes along with it. He's like, no, mm-hmm. you're right. we got to get this. we got to get him back. He's our only chance at you know, stopping the war against the Fire Nation in general. He kind of gives that, that air and then after that you get another touching moment so it's kind of the same thing. So now they're on the same team and then Grand Grand comes up behind him and then kind of does the same thing. Like instead of stopping him, she's like, here, you'll need these and she gives him sleeping bags and packages. I assume there's food and goodies in there. 
But that same sort of recurring, we all were on different sides at first, but now we all realize that, hey, this kid's very important. we got to go save him. So everybody ends on a very happy note all together. And then just when they need it most, they hop on Appa, and uh, how does it go? They're, like, sitting. He's not flying uh, yet. Yeah, they're just sitting in the water, and Tara's really trying to Appa to get up. Like, come on, let's go save Aang. And then Sokka's being, like, re- re- un- un- detached from it all. He's like, what did that kid say? Yeehaw. Uh, giddy up. Yep, yep. And, of course, <laughs> then Appa goes flying. Appa is just making room for his dramatic entrance. So I said yeah. that if if the previous scene was a smidge disappointing, this is like a really good other direction. Uh, wait, no, this direction. There we go. This direction over here is a really good like palate cleanser. And then we cut to the best scene in either episode. It definitely is. I mean, just looking at this, like the way they did just their color palette. In this show, they took a lot of inspiration from Batman the Animated Series. In that show, they drew the the sheets, the drawing sheets, completely black, and then colored on top of it to give that uh, to give that rich black tone to it. Um, but you see, Avatar plays with color palette a lot. Um, and I, in in this scene, I'm, I'm going to give a little credit, just the only credit I can to the Last Airbender movie. I know it's hard to do. I'm, I apologize, anyone listening to this. I'm pretty sure we just lost. <laughs> there goes our one viewer. Who, yeah. yeah, I um, fact, I have not. You told me not to watch it, and the faithful friend I am, yeah, I have not uh, watched watch it. it. I have nothing. Got nothing. So yeah. Anyway, uh, continue. But it is. It is the. It's pretty much the only good scene in the movie where they're testing to see. Like they're not 100 percent sure that Aang is the Avatar. They just know he's an Airbender. They don't know if he is. Although that kind of contradicts the whole last Airbender thing. But. <laughs> um, and to test them, they put a rock in front of them. In the movie, they put some water, they put a flame, and they put, I don't know. I mean, they already know he's an airbender. It's a so, balloon, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so Iroh, played by Ben Kingsley, um, she was actually good in the movie, I think. Um, he He's pretty much like, oh, don't worry. We'll just do this test real quick, and you'll be out of here because you're not the Avatar. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, we're not going to find the Avatar. And Aang, oh gosh, why, I'm giving this movie way too much credit. Anyway, he does the test, and he pat, and they're like, "Oh, you're the Avatar." Like Iroh's like, "It is an honor to meet you," which is kind of great. Like I love that moment in the movie. That's pretty good um, capture of Iroh as a character in the TV show too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good moment. Um, they didn't do any type of testing here. They just went with. Yeah, we know you're the Avatar. Like, it, it has to be you because you're the last airbender. We know the a- Avatar has to be an airbender because that's what the net cycle was. So. so in this... um, oh, yeah, and then this fight. So Aang, oh, yeah, before this, Aang is in handcuffs or in, in tied in rope. He easily escapes from the guards. There's two guards and then with he, him. He's looking for his staff. Yeah, and then he just sneezes, which shows how freaking powerful he is. First, he, time, the first time we really see, them. yeah, the first time we really see his Airbender come out with any sort of, mm-hmm. uh, with any sort of force, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a full display of Airbending because he, he takes them all out. Then he does an air scooter and pretty much does a circle around in the hallway to get past them. Um, 
uh, and then we get to this fight, which is fight. It's a it's a great freaking fight. Like uh, one thing you also get to see that they actually use real martial arts. Um, Airbending uses Bagua style, which is all about circular motion, and you can see that when Aang fights, um, but he's often just trying to just trying to circle around Zuko and get him at the back because it's a very evasive uh, fighting maneuver. Um, oh, and then the way he knocks Aang, the way Aang knocks Zuko out is he airbends the bed, and then he airbends it backs up. It's just you can just tell how how creative he is with his bending. And then you mentioned color palette wise, all we've had to this point is very soft blues and whites and yes. Antarctic things, so to speak, and it hasn't been very exciting. So it's not that this scene, or like this uh, screenshot over here, it's not that it's particularly detailed or anything, but it's it's such a stark contrast to everything that we've had to this point Mm -hmm. in time that it was almost a shock to my eyes when I was paying really close attention to it. It just turns a corner very Mm -hmm. quickly. So uh, Yeah, it's funny, the the creators, because I listened to a bunch of commentary, was like, gosh, yeah, season one was just a lot of blues. (laughs) When we got into season two, we wanted to... Just do something different. So many blues in season one. So, um, so essentially, this fight it's kind of divided into two pieces. First, it's sort of an escape. Uh, he sort of escapes, and then um, he finds a staff, and then we kind of get mm-hmm. out to the top of the ship, and that's where a fight actually happens. So, him and Suko engage in this tremendous. Like you, you already mentioned, there's a lot of very real feeling, exciting martial arts happening. Um, lots of exciting fire bending right out of the gate. You also already see Aang as being more of a defensive. Like he is not gonna, he's not gonna take the offensive. In most cases, he's gonna use your own forces against you as much as he as much as he can, or just evade and avoid as much as possible. Um, and like, but it's it's outside on the ship where the fight really takes place. And then you reach this scene here, which I will let you explain if you'd care to. Uh, yeah. So Zuko. Knocks Aang off, off the ship. It's like Aang's about to drown. Oh, and Sokka and Katara has caught up to Aang at this moment. Katara is screaming out, Aang, Aang. And then I think that's the only thing he kind of hears. And then his eyes glow. This is the first time you see Avatar State. He comes out water bending, even though you're like, I didn't know he knew how to water bend. How does he do that? And you still don't have an answer to it. Really, by this point, you just know it's kind of the Avatar State. Um,. Yeah, he pretty much takes out everyone. Correct me if I'm wrong, but so this time he go, he goes into the Avatar state. Is it... Man, I hope I'm not getting stuff mixed up again. The first time that he kind of goes, which I think is this time, you don't necessarily see, like, the High Elders from the other nations noticing. But there is an episode later. Um, it's not very far in. It's just a couple of episodes in where he goes into the Avatar state... Uh, maybe it's when he's at the Air Nation. We'll we'll talk about it when we come to it. But just in hindsight, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like he goes in the Avatar state here, and none of these high elders from the other the other nations notice. But they seem to all the other times when he does. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a little inconsistent there. A little, like everybody at this I mean, point you should have maybe been, it's that scene that happens in the other episodes. Should have been glowing. Yeah, that should have happened here. Like I said, I just recall this other episode that we'll get to later where when he goes in the Avatar state, and I, I can just picture the Fire Nation guys looking at the looking at the statue together, and they look at each other, and they're mm-hmm. like, 
uh, the Avatar has returned, and it's very finite, clear-cut, yeah. like, hey, Zuko's not crazy, <laughs> yes. he's out of a real mission, it's happening. I feel like that should have happened here. I keep pointing in the wrong direction. And we had yeah. the time to. We like, had two episodes. Happen. It should have happened right there. So minor gripe with that scene, but uh, regardless, it's yeah. still really cool. You get to see him go into the Avatar state the first time, and it's really quick, but it also is just a glimpse of what he can do, and let's go the right direction. And in this case, that glimpse into what he can do, he essentially tears down like an ice, uh, almost like a, a, a plateau of ice. A ridge? A ridge, yeah, a bluff, a giant bluff, and he just rips it down onto this Fire Nation ship to stop it in its tracks. And so just it's a very quick but a very important glimpse of his power. And then even Suko notes that. he, You know, uh, Iroh says something along the lines of, uh, the Fire Nation's greatest threat is just a kid, but then Zuko yeah. comes right back and says, uh, a, a kid that has so much power, I don't remember how he words it, but has so much power that he did this, and I'm not going to underestimate him again. And then you get this great shot over here of the, the Fire Nation ship just engulfed in a mountain of ice that he tore down in about half a second. Yeah, uh, you don't have another screenshot, do you? I that, think that is the uh, last yeah. screenshot I have uh, because after yeah, this, so I have then, something different. Okay, um, so then uh, Katara and Sokka catch Aang. Um, well, so Aang is already on Opla at this point because he kind of baseball bats this fireball they send at him. Um, and then, you know, she, Sokka, Katara, who's been waiting for the Avatar a whole life, it's like, why didn't you tell us you're the Avatar? And Aang says, because I never wanted to be. Oh, I forgot and about that, that. And that informs the character immensely. Like, that is him. He doesn't want to be the savior of the world. He just wants to be a kid. That's why he kind of ran away, which we'll learn. That's why we kind of ran away in the first place. There's um, like, why don't you want to be the Avatar? Like, the world needs you. And the thing is, he doesn't even know that the world needs him right now. If the first two episodes are entirely like an introduction to hanging away, this is a really nice closure of of like who he is in the sense of we've seen the goopy side come out, we've seen him flip the switch when he needs to, we've seen him sort of diffuse extremely intense situations with his own style and his own abilities, and we come back to the end and it just the, wraps his whole character together very nicely when we see him like you see you mentioned it it explains who he is as a character when he comes out and said because i never wanted to be and that's when you really feel like he is just a just a regular kid or at least he wants to be something happened to him so it's a it's a nice closure on the two episodes in that sense yeah which is also why i love cora so much not not that because they're they both they're so different uh and like the the writers of the show are so freaking amazing at informing characters because Aang first episode he doesn't you learn he doesn't want to be Avatar Korra when she's five years old I'm just going to skip all the way to this because it will be a year or something before we get to it um, if we do one episode <laughs> every other week we will be to Korra in about two years yes that's the way math works um uh Korra first thing she says is that I'm the Avatar deal with it like she that's all she wanted to be was the Avatar um so you have these two characters you know, the first episode informs them so much. Just freaking great writing. Like they did not waste really they didn't waste many scenes in this in this pilot. They were uh, I, like I said I, and I have some 
some points in a minute here where it definitely the episode has a lot of different tones or the two episodes sort of a big a big ebb and a big flow and then another big ebb or whatever i think i'm mixing those two up but there's still every scene is very important um and as pilots go it's very well done as its own standalone two episodes individually if if you look at them as separate episodes i doubt they're really that good but as a set of two episodes they're very nice full mm-hmm. circle and a great introduction to to the characters and to what you're going to get for the rest of the show. So I believe at this point, uh, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but we have uh, we have sponsors, and so uh, we nice. have to stop and play a commercial. Is an extremely important commercial. Episode one. I think you yeah, sponsors right out of the gate. Already got sponsors. So here is uh, here's our our paid for advertising. Prince Zuko and the Fire Nation are invading. Only Aang the Avatar can stop them. The enemy is shooting fireballs. Time to take on the Fire Nation. Aang launches into action. Look out! Suka was shooting a fire blast. Aang responds with a mighty air blast of his own. It looks like Suko's plans have been blown away. Air launching Aang and Appa shoots Aang into the air. Other figures and vehicles sold separately. I love that last part where he's like, "Looks like Suko's plans have been blown away." Like it's very, <laughs> very early two thousand. I gotta, gotta, gotta love those commercials. Go to uh, yeah, like, go to Toys R Us and get your uh, get your whatever that thing is called. Uh, too soon. Too soon. Is it? Let's. You know what? Soapbox. <laughs> Toys R Us was, was not a good store. There was never employees, and their prices were high. There was no reason for that store to exist. They were. They were overpriced. You. They were overpriced. Soapbox but over. I wouldn't say it's their fault. I mean, I think it was the leverage buyout that really... Now let's get into some business things. Let's talk business in the middle of our Avatar <laughs> episode. <laughs> Sorry. It's a big soapbox thing that nobody at work wants to talk with me about. But I am not all that sad to see Toys R Us go other than I, people's good... Other than people's good memories. No, I, I hate am. seeing good memories go away. I, it's, not just, it's not just memories. It's like... That was... It, that was the Toys Toys R Us. It's the Nickelodeon of or Cartoon Network of stores. Like it was just the for Cartoon kids. Cartoon Network of stores. Like adults don't need to go to toys, huh? The Cartoon Network. I don't, oof. I don't know. Um, I think my mom would get mad when I watched Cartoon Network because it's like uh, just some like Ed, Ed and Eddie and some of those really weird weird goofy yeah. shows, but. Then again, early well, Nickelodeon I'm, I'm, I'm saying the point too. is that like that store before Babies R Us because that's for adults. No one cares about that crap. Uh, <laughs> Toys R Us. Have two kids. And I, not two kids. <laughs> They're overpriced. I don't buy stuff from Babies R Us. <laughs> Whatever Toys R Us overpriced too. I go to Walmart. I get that cheap Graco branded stuff. <laughs> um, gosh, I sound like a terrible dad right now. <laughs> but uh, as you stand, but no, that's the place. About that's the place to go. I will yeah. I will say that the nostalgia with Toys R Us, I get it. There's no other way other than a toy store. It doesn't have to be Toys R Us, but a toy store that you would have walked through to find toys like that, like that from that commercial where maybe Walmart has it, maybe it doesn't. But no, at the height of this show's popularity, I can guarantee that there was a strong section yeah. of Toys R Us devoted to this show. You could have gone in yes. and you could have built out the world of Avatar uh, from the toys you could find in that store. And you couldn't say that about any other type of store other than a fully-fledged toy store, not a mom-and-pop shop or anything like that. So there's some nostalgia in there, but uh, 
That's... I think I will go to eBay and look for that Oppa yeah, though. It looked will. pretty good. Like in the the uh, the rendering looked pretty pretty good. Also, it was, it was I very could, intense. I would... Needed some spoiler alerts in that commercial though. There are some things we weren't supposed to see yet. But uh, yeah. yeah, great. That's just good Nickelodeon commercial there. Like a little bit of voice mm, acting, lots yeah. of crazy action happening. Like Suko smashing in a building. Like it's just good early uh, early two thousands Nickelodeon advertising. So we've come to the point of our show slash podcast thingamajig where uh, we thought it would be fun to to rate the episodes and I don't I don't know if uh, it's let's rate it rating it relative to itself because you can't really compare this this cartoon to any other cartoon or show because it's so unique. Uh, so more rating relative to itself with the hopes that somewhere down the line we'll be able to pick out some of our favorite episodes and some of our least favorite episodes with some actual grounds. So I'll go ahead and I'll go first here. Uh, the first, we each, we had three categories that we rated them on. We weighted them differently, but we used the same categories. And the first category was yes. audio-visual. And so for audio-visual, I gave that a seven. And what I all loop into audio-visual is just literally everything that you see and you hear, just the, the, the actual tangibles of the show. And so, for, for instance, in episodes one and two, I gave it a seven because I mentioned before there's tons of whites and blues. It's very dull and very bland a lot. It's not even all that detailed a lot. It is saved by one or two, by one really good fight scene where everything looks and sounds great. Uh, but other than that, mm -hmm. you just get small glimpses into the sounds that you're going to hear, um, very small glimpses into the excellent animation to come. So it's saved by a fight scene, and it is saved by uh, very important imagery. So it's just uh, seven, maybe slightly below the average episode, I would assume. If I if I'm thinking the average episode is probably going to be uh, probably going to be an eight. So I gave that 30% weight because I do find that very important. Next story. The story is exactly the, the story that we actually hear, what you learn and take away. I know it's a little harsh, but it took two episodes to tell a very short story. So I went with a seven, and that's just because it's a pilot. I would expect nothing more from a pilot. There's tons of exhibition. This is really a giant introduction, mostly to Aang and a few other people. Again, maybe even lower but it is saved by a very high-impact fight scene where you finally get to see a little bit of who Suko really is and a little bit of who Aang really is, and it culminates nicely and it culminates in a feel-good way. Uh, but that's one scene in a very large story. Like I said, the first five minutes is almost too much. The next ten, ten minutes of the first episode and the first ten minutes of the second episode are, are a little slower-paced. Um, so there again, I don't want to talk too bad. It's a pilot episode. It's about what I expect. I do think story is the most important part, so I waited at 40%. And then that leaves 30% uh, for the last category, which is just my catch-all. I don't know the best way to describe this category. I'm going to go memorable, and this is just where I want to capture everything else that can't be captured in the first two categories. So any type of special nostalgia or uniqueness, there's some episodes thrown into here that just stand out for different ways that won't show. So this is a little bit of a catch-all, I admit that. Uh, but I did give it a 10 here because it is extremely memorable. As pilots go, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It sticks in your brain. Uh, you already saw me once. I, me I missed, uh, messed up where the first episode ends and the next one begins uh, because they do run together so well. It is a full, not quite an hour really in actuality, but it's a full hour that I can almost cite beginning to end just because it all does kind of flow really well together and it sticks in your head like a good pilot should. So when you wait all those out, 
you come out to a nice round eight, which I am totally fine with. So that's a solid B grade, and I think as far as an episode of the show goes, uh, that's, that's I, I do believe that's probably going to be about the norm. It's going to be lots of eights and nines. So we will take it to your side here. All right. So for audiovisual, visual, for me, I'm uh, I'm considering you know the animation and the fluidity of it, and really just the the art style, how they handle action sequences, um, and a little bit of cinematography. Um, something about cinematography. It's funny about the cinematography because when the uh, uh, a behind the scenes thing, uh, I think it was Brian. Uh, it was the skinnier one that wasn't bald, I guess. Uh, he would talk about he would talk to the visual storyboard artists, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, the camera shot, you know, the camera's gonna be at this angle." And the guy was like, "I'm I'm drawing on something. I don't have a camera." <laughs> 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 but that's just that just you know just the way they they thought about it, uh, which I think just shows the passion they had for it. Um, it made it feel uh, like so there's my a rating... world fleshed out rather than just one animated pain. Yeah, uh, it's funny because it comes across on the screen as as it, um, you know, it's, it's not two dimensional at all. Um, so you have my ratings up. There's the first one. All right. Uh, still says Sean's ratings, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey. <laughs> no, well, you're, you're fine. <laughs> what's yours is uh, what's yours is mine. Uh, I probably just duplicated that yeah. slide and forgot. No, these are definitely yours. That's okay. right. You. That's right. You did. But the score is definitely mine. Uh, so for the first episode, you gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Um. I thought it was it was great. Those couple of scenes, a couple of screenshots are really great. That one with Sokka with the ship coming at him. Uh, that one in the Fire Nation ship was great. Um, the when it comes to the the uh, the score, the score was good. It wasn't that memorable yet. It was memorable at the end there, where Aang was saying that he didn't want to be the Avatar. They kind of play that melancholy um, feel. It's the uh, first time there. you really get a glimpse into more of the the musical pieces, the grander musical pieces that we're going to hear. Yeah. Uh, but really, there's only like one good action scene, I think, and it was the one you mentioned. Um, so I'll give that a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, and when it comes to story, um, story is really just everything, kind of the script and the story and the plot and everything. Um, I went heavy on this one. Oh, also, I'll give it a, I give story 50% weight because story, to me, matters the most about anything. Um and I, and I gave it a high score because I think for a pilot it was, it's a, it's a, they had a, they did have a lot of, um, uh, dang, I just used this word earlier. They had a lot of, uh, oh, why can't I think of this stupid word? I have no idea what word you're looking uh, for. I would happily help. Yeah, you know, the word were exposition. They had a lot of exposition. Um, but I think they did it in a really good, natural way a lot of different times. And they did it in, in different ways. And you have to do exposition in the first episode. Uh, to me, you can do exposition in some bad ways. I'm going to compare it to... There's a scene in Justice League, uh, which I love the movie Justice League, by the way. Um, but, like, Aquaman and, and Mera are talking. But it's not natural words. Like, in it, one of them goes like, oh, it's, is it... If it's, and they meet each other. It's like, oh, if it's not Arthur Curry, King of Atlantis... You haven't been down here in a while. Um, mom left me, and my mom left me on shore. I'm not Atlantean. Like that's not a natural conversation. It's not. <laughs> like, you're just telling me stuff. Speak. Yeah, uh, but when you see Sock and Katara talk, 
Katara was like, um, I had to take care of everything when mom died. Like, you need to pull your weight. Like, that's a real conversation that a brother and sister would have with each other. Oh, and, and I learned so many things about Katara in just that one sentence. One, she's very responsible, and she is the the mother hen of this whole freaking tribe, and their mother died. Okay, that's that's great exposition. It's done well. It's really hard. Um, so they get a high school. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you just randomly learn offhand that their mother died. And they don't put too much attention to it because <clears throat> because just two kids whose mother had died for years aren't going to make a big deal out of it. Like, they've been dealing with it. That's just part of them. Um, oh, and then we get introduced to the lore of it, just the way they handle all these characters and, um, and just a great introduction to them. Uh, so that's why I gave that a nine. Then on to just a memorable one. Uh, I think I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, well, I did give it an 8 out of 10. Um, it's not an episode that I necessarily love to rewatch all often. I mean, I rewatched it just as much as all the other episodes, but it doesn't have some of my favorite moments in it. Really just memorable because it is the pilot. It does really set up everything, uh, or just really sets up the show. And uh, it just makes these, starts off with these characters. So it's not as memorable for me. Because there are other episodes where I'm like, oh, I just love this scene where so-and-so finally confronts so-and-so. Like, there's not necessarily a scene that I just love so much in this episode. So I'm going to give it an 8. And told us out to 8.5 out of 10. So we're actually fairly close in our total rating, which will out which would average out to uh, 8.25. Which uh, I'll round it down to a nice flat. I'm, I'm a simple guy, so our very generic uh, average just... score uh, of a nice round 8. Uh, B. Unless you want to put more weight in my score than your score, but so I can easily do the, the straight average. Thing. I uh, I mean, I put my name above the scores on both sheets, so I feel like I That's should true. weight my score more. No, I think uh, you know. I think if any person that liked average cartoon, your average cartoon, or even just your average uh, drama action TV show, if you pop this in and had them watch it, um, or had them watch maybe a full string of episodes and kind of rate them against each other, I think this is about what they'd come back with. It's not amazing. It doesn't knock your socks off, yeah. but it's really good at being a pilot, which is what it's supposed to do. So I think this is probably yeah. about the right spot for it. Um, I did find it interesting, like I love how this we, font. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Her- Herculaneum, Herculaneum, or something, which is apparently oh, wait, is a, the official. Or, or is it Papyrus? Font. No, well, uh, this one I had to download is called Hercul- Herculaneum or Herculanus okay. or something like that. Um, which did you? Somebody, a, somebody said a, it's like the, a, as close as you can get, and I, I trusted him, and yeah, it looks okay. Papyrus, though, I didn't think about that. There's either. a. There's a Ryan Gosling uh, skit on SNL where I hope it's and I don't want to mention the, and he talks about the the dumb movie Avatar um, with the blue people and he's like I hate this font why did they choose this font all they did was type in Avatar and go to Papyrus and like he has this like you'll have to watch it. he has this like weird uh, like conspiracy theory about it and stuff and then he goes to the person's house who did the the art for the, for the show 
he's like, this guy's teasing me. It's Papyrus. And then he's like looking at his house and the guy opens the window and he just like looks at him like, yeah, it's Papyrus. I don't know. Another another confession. Never seen the Avatar with the Weird Blue People movie. I, uh, I don't like, okay. uh, I typically it's, it's, don't like movies with space. Typically don't like movies with aliens. Uh, Interstellar Wars, I usually avoid them all, and that checks off most of those boxes. So I've never, never bothered all sticking to a good scary. avatar. It's kind of Interstellar War in there, right? Yeah. So no. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, Interstellar War. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Interstellar yeah. the movie. For while well, we're on the topic, you're gonna skip that one. Um, well, well, that that movie's great. Eh, it's about it's about space and time and all that. It's too deep for my small brain. Chris, we're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender right now. And you want to go watch Interstellar. Avatar has everything to do with everything. <laughs> anyway. The whole, the, thing, the, whole, the whole story about Interstellar is that love can transcend everything. I can, I can rope that into Avatar somehow. I just watched A Wrinkle in Time the other day, and that's exactly what that sounds like. I didn't like, like that movie. Other than I did not like the movie at all. I did not like that movie. <laughs> I, I feel like bad it. for not liking that movie. I do, because I a, get what a, they're going for, and it's got a, you know, they're trying to share that same concept that love transcends all. It's literally the same, gosh, they're probably the same movie, but one's for adults and one's for kids. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, I left yeah. just very unhappy. <laughs> I mean, it was a kid's Did movie you not watch my review of it? Uh, I didn't, with, of your review of Ring Okay, time. that's fine. I have not. No, it's yeah. not fine. I'm going to post this I, I video on your channel, and then I'm going to go watch that, <laughs> that review and probably agree with most of it. But speaking of agree and disagree, is so that... You, so I you mean of the 15 people who watched my review, what one of them wasn't you? Was not, no, that's not true. I've watched some of them, just not all of them. Oh, okay. Um, so what do you, you got 12 well, videos up I could say you right now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Something in there. Right, I can safely say I've watched probably five of them, which is below half. Uh, no, I'll go good. through them. They're short. I can I can get through them at work. Uh, I'm trying to make them shorter. I did. Eh, take your time. If you're going to do it, put some time into it. It's, do it for you. Get, get what you want out of it. Um, I do appreciate. So we kind of uh, agreed on categories generally. They mean a little bit different things to us, which is good. Everybody watches for different reasons. So I did like that we weighted them differently. And I was just going to call it that I thought it was cool that you put really heavy on story. You went 50 on story. Like, that's what you're here for. You're here for a good story. Yeah. And then audio-visual, we're both kind of the same and kind of for the same reasons. It, it's a cartoon that's on Nickelodeon. It's a very high-end cartoon in terms of audio-visual quality. But, like, you can only do so much with a cartoon. So I think that's why we landed there. But then, to me, that memorable... It's almost like I feel like I'm watching it from a child's perspective. Like, if I can remember it the next day, uh, for whatever reason, story or animation or whatever, that means it was good. If it sticks in my brain. Whereas I feel like you're watching it for the story, and that seems like more of an adult <laughs> reason to watch. But that also kind of describes, I would say that you're probably more the expert on the show and probably seen it more times. So I feel like I am watching it with more of the, the fresh childlike eyes or whatever you want to describe that. So I just thought that kind of paired up. It was easy for me to see why you waited yours the way you did and why I waited mine the way I did. So that was interesting. That's fun. I mean, it means nothing, but it was interesting to me. So, um, yeah. hey, that that was our grades <laughs> on the first two episodes. And that was longer. I don't know how long we've been talking. Probably a really long time. Um, this video is going to take forever to upload on my slow internet. But 
Uh, in the yeah, future, well. I think now that we now that we've done one, we kind of know what we're doing, and then there'll <laughs> only be one episode at a time. These two episodes aired the same day, so I thought it was important to put together, and there'll be a couple other episode pairings like that. But for the most, yeah, so this part, one's twice as long. Yeah, for the most part, hopefully one episode, uh, you know, for 40-ish minutes, something like 30, 40 minutes, something like that. Uh, whereas now yeah. I feel like we have been talking for a long time. But it's a good episode. It's a great start. I wouldn't have the first episode of our video podcast discussion phone call thing any other way. Any other thoughts you need to offer before oh. we before we close out our discussion? Uh, no, it was, it was fun. I, if, if we don't get one listener to this, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind because I just really love talking about Avatar. Any, so. yeah, any excuse, and there's not just a ton of people at work that will just talk about this stuff. With. No. I found one guy at work where I told him the other day, like we were talking about other anime, which, uh, <laughs> as you know, I'm not, not really huge into most uh, anime or, or manga or even American comic books at all. Uh, obviously, I've watched my fair yeah, share of mean, cartoons, but even then, when I watch cartoons, it's usually Looney Tunes and Tiny Tunes. It's not actual series uh, but we did get talking and i mentioned I was like hey i'm thinking about having a phone call with a friend who's gonna record it do like a podcast thing and he's like yeah what about and i was like avatar the last airbender and he freaked <laughs> he freaked out like this guy was he's like oh my god this is my favorite show of all time and he's just like turning circles um and so i was like all right so maybe maybe one person will watch this i don't know maybe i'll send it to him That's hilarious maybe so I w- we'll see <laughs> I would say I do I do do a lot of fishing techniques out there. Like I throw it out there just to see if anyone takes the bait, so I can just talk to someone about this great show. You'd like, be talking oh, yeah, about like a no. yin yang, and you'd be like, "Hey, you know what show has a great uh, visual of a yin yang in it?" Exactly. Yeah. No, I would legit. I bring up Avatar probably on average twice a week. Like I brought it up the probably yesterday. Someone was talking about the best TV shows of all time. Well, you know, I don't want to ruin how I think about this show uh, and all the episodes, but let's say I disagree with them. Spoiler. Spoiler is the best show of all time. (laughs) I don't know if I would. uh, I I can't decide because this is this is legitimately only going to be probably the third time that I've watched it religiously start to finish. So I I, I actually feel like I can reserve judgment uh, and not be certain. This will probably be the uh, the 10th for me. That's a good round number. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of episodes. Let's be clear, one one listener out there that when he says the tenth time, he's not talking about the tenth time he's watched these three books. He's talking about the tenth time that he's watched these three books. And what is there? Four seasons of Korra? Is that right? Yeah. Well, and and no, I've only watched that like four times probably because uh because it came out later. So the last four times you've watched it, you. <laughs> So there's a much bigger thing than just like popping these DVDs in ten times, but whatever, that's fine. Like I said, if we if we do this, I think I think uh, hopefully about every other week will be the take because we're we're grown ups and we have lives. You have kids. I don't have a life. I don't know who I'm kidding. Um, every other weekish, it'll only be like two years before we get to talk about chorus. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, but, I would have watched it probably twice by the time you get to Cora. <laughs> You're regular. I'm trying to watch Korra again right now. I have yeah. only watched Korra through one time, like religiously, start to finish. Uh, but mostly because I was borrowing the DVDs from you, and you're harder to get the DVDs from now. So you know it happens. I am. But anyways, uh, good. For oh, you, you probably get the. 
Oh, yeah, probably go for the DVDs cheap when the time comes. But I have two years to save enough money yes. to buy those yeah. DVDs, so it'll be fine. Just put a penny aside. A One penny a day, yeah. Maybe. Perfect. <laughs> uh, you want to say where they can uh, find you if anyone is listening to this? Where yeah, they can find so, you online? Uh, well, so you are at the on YouTube and on Twitter. You are The Objective Geek. The Objective Geek. Yes. And as you mentioned earlier, you've got a few reviews up there. Um Mostly comic book movies, if I'm not mistaken, but general movies, uh, pretty new and recent fresh movie reviews, pretty close to as they come out. You're yep. a movie theater guy. And then I just like wasting time online, so I have a website that mostly does nothing, and that's seanshaler.com, which is S-H-A-W-N-S-C-H-A-L-L-E-R.com. And there's a whole lot of nothing there other than occasionally my wife and I try to raise some money for the Children's Miracle Network. So uh, that's where you'll also find... Uh, this on vi- in video form and audio form, and we'll probably try to get the audio form podcast out there somewhere kind of semi-official. So um, that's what I've got. Thanks a lot, Chris. Uh, we will talk again in a couple weeks with the next episode. All right. Thank you. It was fun. It was. We will see you later. <laughs> <laughs>